Open with me to 1 Timothy chapter 4. We're going to be reading verses 1 through 10. Is everyone there? Everyone, please stand for the reading of God's word. Thank you for that prompt. Okay. The Spirit clearly says that in later times some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Such teaching comes from hypocritical liars whose consciousness have been seared as with a hot iron. They forbid people to marry and order them to abstain from certain foods, which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and who know the truth. For everything God created is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving, because it is consecrated by the word of God and prayer. If you point these things out to the brothers, you will be a good minister of Christ Jesus, brought up in the truths of the faith and of the good teaching that you have followed. Have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourselves to be godly. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance, and for this we labor and strive, that we have put our hope in the living God, who is the Savior of all men, and especially of those who believe. This is the word of God. Good morning. Good to see you all this morning. Uh, if you haven't been around, we are in this series that we're calling Embodied, and we're looking at what it looks like to live as embodied beings, that God created us, these integrated beings of spirit and body, and we don't often talk about the body in church. We talk a lot about the spirit, but we don't talk a lot about the body, and so that's what we're doing this fall, and let me just let you know where we're going from here. A lot of you thought today I was going to get into gender and sexuality issues based on, I think, what I said two weeks ago. That is still to come, so sorry if you're here for that conversation. Um, but what we've done, we've taken the first four weeks to talk about the body in ways that relate to every single one of us. And today we're going to look at the issue of physical health. Uh, what do we, how, how do we think about our physical health and pursuing that in these bodies? Uh, so we, we've looked at four weeks that everyone every single person kind of has to deal with as an embodied being. And then starting next week, we'll look at three highly politicized issues. Uh, next week, uh, we'll look at climate change. Then the week after that, abortion. And then in November, we'll look at some of the issues of gender and sexuality. Okay, so light, easy topics. I might just add Israel and Palestine onto this series just to tag on these things that are so heavy and um, important. And so that's kind of where we're going to go over the next uh, month and a half. So today, I want to talk about uh, our physical health. And I'm not going to talk about a lot of this passage, but right tucked in this passage is this interesting statement Paul makes in verse 8 about physical training and godly training. And so that's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about physical training and godly training and how they relate to each other. So we're going to talk about everything connected with, with our physical health. And I know that hits different us differently. But so consider fitness and exercise. We'll talk, think about that today. Uh, food, diet, vitamins, supplements, what you put in your mouth, uh, sleep and rest, therapy, yoga, chiropractic, physical therapy. Uh, I want to talk about the physical appearance of our bodies as well. Not, not our clothes, but 
all the things that we do, the cosmetics, the, the products, okay? So all of that. And, and we can also talk about what we do as we age and what do we do with our skin and what do we inject in our skin, what do we inject in our bodies, how do we tighten ourselves and puff ourselves up as we get older, if I can put it all those ways, okay? So pretty much everything connected with our physical, like our bodily health and appearance. I'm not going to talk about all those things, but I want you to be, that's, I want you to be thinking along those lines because different ones of you, each one of those things will hit you differently, okay? And um, I just want to acknowledge, like as with so many of these, this series, I'm walking into a landmine today um, and bombs will be going off that I'm not even aware of. And I might set some bombs off, uh, and who knows how that'll all go down. But uh, I was thinking about this, and, and uh, it's a landmine for a couple reasons. One is we all have such unique relationships with our bodies, don't we? And I, I said that the first week, with our, with our, our health. Um, for some of us, and so I just want you to be thinking about, like, today I want you to think about, what's my relationship with physical health? Like, what's my relationship uh, with this pursuit? Uh, but for some of us in this room, health and fitness is our thing. Right, it is, it is, it's a hobby, it's a lifestyle, it is, it's our thing. Others of us, uh, the pursuit of physical health is like a necessary evil, right? Like I'm gonna do the bare minimum that I can to still make, make my life kind of work without experiencing too much pain and discomfort, right? Uh, for some of us, this taps into issues of body image. Um, we grew up as kids overweight, or, or underweight, or what I'll call shape-challenged, right? And that, that shaped our, kind of pro- profoundly shaped our image of ourselves. Um, for some of this, this will trigger issues of food and our, our relationship to food. Um, I have a, a close person in my life who once asked me, Dave, why do you eat? And without hesitating, I said, because I'm hungry. And he said, that's exactly what skinny people say. That's exactly what you, you eat when you're hungry. He's like, I eat when I'm sad. I eat when I'm anxious, right? Some of us eat when we're hungry. Some of us eat our feelings, right? We have a very, each of us has a very interesting relationship with food. Uh, for some of us, this conversation about physical health and fitness, um, we hear this in terms of possibilities. You're going to walk away feeling amped and excited. And like I, and some of you have, have kind of maybe in the last five years even discovered a, a program or a diet or a gym or somewhere that's kind of unlocked things for you. And you like, you've, you're, you're tasting your health in a fresh way. And so for some of us, this conversation taps into possibilities. And for some of us, this conversation taps into profound limitations, right? When we think about physical health, it just, it confronts us with our limitations. And it's interesting, I, like I was thinking about myself, like for me, I'm 47, this conversation actually more taps into my limitations than the possibilities. And some of you know my story, but for the last decade or decade and a half now, I've just had this journey with chronic back problems that has now morphed into shoulder problems and neck problems and all these things. And I grew up loving playing sports and I haven't been able to play like recreational sports for over 10 years, okay? I can move straight ahead, but I can't go left or right. So surfing's out, um, golf is out, any sort of twisting things. Basketball's been out for decades. And I've heard this newfangled sport called pickleball that I would love to play, uh, but I can't. So I feel my limitations currently. I haven't given up hope. Um, and. That is a minor limitation. Some of you, I say my story to say, some of you know that times 100. And you experience disability. Or you have a family member who experiences disability. Or you are experiencing disease. 
or you have a family member who's experiencing disease, or, or chronic um, pain, or chronic issues that are persistent that don't go away, and we are all suffering from one chronic condition called aging, and it's going to defeat every single one of us unless Jesus comes before that happens. Come Lord Jesus, right? So we all have very, I say all that just to have you think about what is, how does this conversation, what does this conversation stir in me? And it stirs very different things in this room. Uh, And then the other thing that makes, I think, this conversation interesting is that we live in a very unique place in this country. What we experience in Orange County, specifically Beach City, Orange County, is not normal. And I, I learn this like when I go to theme parks. You know, we have kids, you know, and we'll go to Knott's and uh, they've never been to Disneyland yet. Don't, don't tell them that Disneyland exists. We're trying to hold off on that as long as we can. Not that I don't want them to go there. It's just once you go to Disneyland, you don't want to go back to Knott's, you know. So uh, we do Knott's and then we took them for their birthdays um, to Universal Studios uh, this fall. And I, I realized I go to theme parks and I just see a, a, a larger swath of our country, Right? And I, and I remember, like, gosh, there's, this country is full of people. I'll just say, I mean, like, obesity is a, is a real significant issue. There, this country is full of people who sit maybe at a desk all day for work and then ha- come home and sit in front of a TV for hours, and they eat Big Macs and Cokes all the time. Like, that is a normal part of our country, okay? And I, I forget that that's... That's normative in so many parts of the country. And so I think, you know, I would want to phrase Paul's statement in verse 8 this way to most of our country. Hey, country, physical training is of some value, right? That's what he says. Physical training is of some value. But that's not us for the most part. We live in this very small pocket of hyper health, hyper fitness, health obsession, health and fitness like it's it's wonderful and there's something dark and scary about it all. And I would want to say to our little pocket, physical training is of some value. <laughs> it's of some value, but it, 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 it's not ultimate. Godliness is ultimate. Physical training is of some value. So I, also, I say all that as a way to get inside of this conversation and, and the complexities of it, given who we are, where we live, and just the realities of our, of, our, of our bodies. So, all that to say, I want you to think today, what is my relationship to my own pursuit of physical health? And what Paul does in this passage and in other places is what I, what I want to say is, I think he helps us rightly order our relationship with our physical health. Put it in its proper perspective, rightly ordered. And let me just read the the verse again. Look at the end of verse 7 says, train yourself to be godly. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise both for the present life and the life to come. Paul says physical training is a good thing. And we're going to talk about some of the good that comes from it. But physical training is not an ultimate thing. Training in godliness is an ultimate thing. And we want to keep that in its proper perspective. So that's what we're going to look at. What is a rightly ordered relationship with our physical health? And I've talked a lot over the years about this idea of ordered attachments, that our hearts right, get attached to certain things in, the, in this world. And, the, and attachments aren't bad. 
The importance is that they are rightly ordered attachments. And when God created the universe and he created us and created Adam and Eve in the garden, uh, it was this place of flourishing existence where everything had its right place. Worship of God, enjoyment of creation, love of one another, enjoyment of ourselves, right? But rightly ordered loves. And when the fall happened, when sin entered the world, now we have what we call disordered attachments, disordered desires. Some things we are attached to more than we should be. Some things we're not attached to as much as we should be. And so our hearts are now these factories of disordered attachments. And what Paul wants to do, I think, is, is rewrite our relationship with our physical health. So what I want to do today is try to provide us with a rightly ordered perspective on pursuing physical health. And I really, what I really wanna to do today, and here's what I, I want you to be thinking about, I want you to consider your why, or your whys behind your pursuit of health. Meaning, what is motivating you? What is the driver that motivates you to pursue your own health, however you define that, okay? I really want us to, if, if this would be a win, if all of us walk away being really honest about what is driving me to do this and have a, a conversation with one another and with the Lord and that God might make that, those whys, um, biblical whys, if I can put it that way. So um, that's what I wanna to do today. And I wanna consider, is there such a thing as like a distinctively Christian approach to physical health? Okay, because a lot of us in this room are pursuing our health and we happen to be Christians. But that's not what I'm talking about. Is there a distinctively Christian way to pursue our physical health? And I think that there is, actually. I think there are some distinctively Christian wise motivations to pursuing our health. So I wanna, what I'm going to do today, I want to give you three, what I think are three biblical whys to pursue your, your uh, physical health. All right? And here they are. We ought to pursue our health, uh, one, as a way of worshiping Jesus, okay? It's a way to worship Jesus, two, as a way to become more like Jesus, and finally, as a way to love like Jesus, okay? I think those are biblical wise. And we're gonna look at, we're gonna focus on the Apostle Paul today. He has a lot of great things to say um, about this. Okay, ready for this? Yeah, okay. It's been fun to talk about things that like everyone it relates to everybody. Sometimes I'll talk about things, and I'm like, I don't think these people care at all about what this is. But, like, everybody cares about their physical health, so it's kind of nice. Like, even if I'm boring, you'll still be engaged because you're thinking about yourself. All right. And so am I. All right, so here's the first why. I'm going to spend more time on the first two. The last one will, will be pretty quick. Um, what would it look like to pursue our physical health as a way to worship Jesus. And I want you to go back to uh, verse 3 in this passage. Let me read to you verse 3 and 4. Paul's talking about false teachers. They forbid people, uh, forbid people to marry and order them to abstain from certain foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and who know the truth. For everything God created is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving because it is consecrated by the word of God and prayer. So he's talking about these, probably these um, Jewish people who are saying, hey, certain things are bad, like you should avoid marriage in certain foods, right? The Jews thought certain foods are bad, and they're promoting this. And, and Paul's saying, no, no, the word of God has consecrated. The word of God has declared all foods are, for the Christian, all foods are permissible. These things are permissible. In fact, everything that God has created in his creator, or he created, he said, it is good. And so 
really, all things are ours in Christ. We can pursue these things if we pursue them in the right way. And there's a couple things he mentions. Twice he says, um, to be received with thanksgiving. You see that? Verse three, to be received by th- with thanksgiving. And then verse four, everything God created is good and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving. And then finally it says, it, it's consecrated by the word of God that God declares it's true and it's consecrated by prayer. So again, he's talking about foods and marriage, but what he's saying, I think, is two people can approach the same thing from a very different perspective. For one person, this can be a bad thing, or they can carry it in a way that's not right. But for another, this thing can be, the word he uses is consecrated. It can be made holy. It can be an act of worship if it is pursued with thanksgiving and with prayer. If you eat foods from a place of God, thank you for this. And prayerfully, Lord, I'm grateful that you provide this food and that you give this to me and I get to enjoy this food, right? Two people, one, for one person, something can be just a mundane, earthy, ordinary thing that doesn't have anything to do with their relationship with God. But another person, that same thing can be consecrated. It can be an act of worship with God as we receive it with thanksgiving and in a prayerful relationship with Jesus. Does that make sense, that difference? And so I think, what if we, we, we took that and applied it to our pursuit of physical health, our pursuit of ex- exercise, our pursuit of diet and food, and said, what would it look like if this became an act of worship for me. And so the first thing I wanted you to consider about your physical health is this. What if you didn't change anything about how you pursue it? Your workout routines, your diet, your sleep, all the things. You didn't change a thing about how often you do it, when you do it, where you do it, but you just started approaching it differently. And said, this thing that I've been approaching one way, I can approach as an act of worship, received with thanksgiving and pursued in, in, a, in a place of prayer. So let me give you some examples. What would it look like you get up and you, you go running, let's say, um, or you get on your bike? What would it look like to run with thanksgiving and prayerfully? God, thank you that you've given me this heart as I'm running that, that beats faster and pumps this blood in my... Thank you for these lungs that, that, that fill my, my cells with oxygen, right? What if I started to pursue it that way? Lord, thank you. As you go to the gym, Lord, thank you that you've given me these bones and these muscles that can lift weight, that can move, that can, that can bend and stretch. Lord, you've given me this. Thank you. Thank you for this. How about every time you have a, a really good meal? I had a great meal. My wife and I got on a date last night. I had a great meal. Um, and I don't know how healthy it was, but it was really good. But um, <laughs> especially as you take in healthy meal, you make choices about your food. Lord, thank you that you have, you, when you created the universe, you created an edible garden for us all around us, food to to fill our our bellies and to satisfy our hungers. Lord, thank you for this food. What if we pursued our physical health from a place of thanksgiving and worship? Simple, don't change a thing, just change the how of how you do it. Um, I love this this quote from G.K. Chesterton. The worst moment for an atheist is when he's really thankful and has no one to thank, (laughs) right? And many people pursue their health with nobody to thank. And Christians pursue their health with somebody to thank. I love the Chariots of Fire quote from Eric Little, right? Uh, Gold medalist, runner. I believe God made me for a purpose, but he also made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. That's a worshipful way to approach, in his case, racing. And what would it look like to approach our physical health 
from a place of gratitude and thanksgiving. And when I do these things, Lord, I, I feel your pleasure. And what's so interesting is God has actually designed us to feel his pleasure through the pursuit of physical health. Right, like when we run, when we exercise, he has designed our bodies to have, to make endorphins, to kick out endorphins that shape how our spirits feel. <laughs> I feel happier, I feel better when I'm exercising than when I'm not. Um, my life has been saved by regular exercise. Every day after work, I get on, I used to run, now I get on a little exercise bike, it's usually 10 or 15 minutes, but that 10 or 15 minutes has saved my spirit over the years, not just my body, but my spirit. God has designed us that way. He's designed us when we eat good foods. Those foods build our bodies back up. They make us feel better when we choose good foods. He's designed us that way. He's saying almost, I have made you for this, right? And we get to enjoy that. Um, the second century theologian Irenaeus put it this way, the glory of God is a human being fully alive. And I love the picture of a human being in this body performing to the, the capabilities that God has, has given that body to perform to. And our middle daughter is a gymnast, so we now watch gymnastics. I never wanted to be a gym dad, a, a gymnastics dad, but that's, that's my life. And the, uh, you all knew that the world championship gymnastics was on last weekend. You do, who knew? Nice, yeah, yeah. Scott. Um, and it's a beautiful thing to watch human beings and the human body move and perform at high levels. It really is, it, it speaks to the God who created our bodies to do those things, and it's a beautiful thing. So we all have the opportunity to not change a thing, but to start to do the things we already do from this place of worship, amen? Now, with that, I wanna say this. Um, for some of you, what I've just said is painful for you <laughs> because you do not feel like a human being fully alive, right? You are, you are profoundly aware of your physical limitations. And I want to say to you and to myself and my own limitations, this, that our limitations can also be a way where we can worship God and possibly even a more profound way than in our physical strength. Our physical limitations give us an opportunity to become worshipers of God. And I was thinking about the Apostle Paul and his own experience of his physical limitations, okay? And some of you, as I said, you have issues that are chronic, right? You have significant disease or disability or, or, or sickness or you're just getting old, right? Listen to how Paul describes his own journey. This is 2 Corinthians 12. He says, I was given a thorn in my flesh to torment me. He calls it a messenger of Satan. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it from me, and he didn't, <laughs> okay? So we do not know what this was, but Paul had some physical condition um, that was clearly painful that or frustrating. It tormented him, and it was chronic and persistent. He asked multiple times of the Lord, Lord, would you remove this thing? We don't know what the physical thing was, but it was chronic. It was persistent. Uh, it tormented him. He hated it, and many of you can relate to that. And he prayed, and here's a guy who could heal other people, <laughs> right? And, and he prayed, Jesus, take this away. I hate this limitation. And Jesus' response to him was this. No, I'm not going to. Because my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. 
Paul, I'm not going to remove this physical limitation, this sickness, this debilitation from you because I want you to learn something about my power in your life. I want you to learn something about my grace in your life. And if you're just crushing it physically all the time, you will never learn that lesson. There's an intimacy that I long for with you that in your case you will not have unless you have this experience of weakness and dependence on me. And Paul comes to overtime accept that. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly, I will boast, how many of you boast in your physical limitations, about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That's why, for Christ's sake, I delight in my weaknesses, Paul came to that conclusion. For when I am weak, then I am strong, because where I am weak, I am dependent. And Jesus' grace is present for me in such deeper ways, and his strength is available for me in ways that I'm no longer relying on my own strength. Amen? And so my limitations have become precisely the point of intimacy with Jesus. Earlier on in the passage, he applies that to us. We have this treasure, the, the, the gospel, the treasure of the gospel, in jars of clay, these physical bodies that are broken, to show that this all-surpassing power is, not for, uh, is, uh, is from God and not from us. We're hard-pressed on every side. He's talking about him and his uh, evangelists that go out and just live crazy lives to spread the gospel. We're crushed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. We're struck down, but not destroyed. Though outwardly, we are wasting away. Yet inwardly, we are being renewed day by day. And if, you had ever, if we'd ever seen Paul, we would see a body that was wasting away, literally had scars from being whipped, being persecuted, sleepless nights. I'll bet he had bags under his eyes half the, half the time. His body, and he was getting older, was wasting away, but that inner experience of worship was being renewed day by day. And so I just wanna to say to those of you who are aware of your physical limitations, I just wanna remind you that your limitations are a profound opportunity for the glory of God to shine through you, for you to experience true worship. And I'm going to respectfully disagree with St. Irenaeus. And I do not think the glory of God is the human being full of life. My own experience of God's glory has come most to me through the weakness of other people. Watching people faithfully, humbly, uh, worshipfully walk through cancer, sickness, debilitation over the years and remain faithful to God, that is personally where I have seen the glory of God shine most, more than people who are crushing it physically, as beautiful as that is as well. And so we have an opportunity to worship God in our physical strengths and in our physical limitations. They are both profound opportunities to worship our God. So that is the first big why. Why do, we, why do Christians pursue physical health? as an act of worship. And we get to do that in our strengths and our weaknesses. Okay, next one. What's another Christian why? I think we pursue our physical health not just to worship Jesus, but to become more like Jesus in character. Right, back to verse, uh, verse eight. Physical training is of some value, right? But godliness has value for all things. He's saying godliness is more important Godly training is more important than physical training. That's his point. But I want to say, true, but what if our physical training can serve to impact our training in godliness? What if training physically can teach me lessons, right, can develop certain character that applies also beautifully 
to my training in becoming more and more like Jesus? What if pursuing my physical health is a way to actually activate the pursuit of my spiritual health? Then this physical training that's of some value can serve something that is of eternal value, right? And the beautiful thing is, I think there are so many lessons to physical training, physical health, that wonderfully carry over into spiritual health. And any of us who have pursued our physical health with it, I assume is everybody in this room, we, we've recognized the parallels, the lessons that can be learned here that are so relevant to our spiritual lives with Jesus, right? Let me just mention a few. What are the character qualities that come from pursuing physical health? Things like discipline. That's great spiritually. Delayed gratification. Something we all hate, right? Saying no to our, our impulses. Perseverance. Consistency. Patience. Growing through challenge and adversity. These are all great lessons. And most of us come out of the womb, I would say, some of us are driven, a lot of us are driven, but selfish, and we prefer comfort and convenience and ease, right? We prefer doing what is easy over doing what is right. And so physical training is a beautiful opportunity to say no to our impulses, to, to pursue things that are right versus things that are comfortable. So many of you choose to wake up earlier than your bodies want you to, right? You set an alarm and your body doesn't want to get out of bed, but you choose that and you get up and you go for a run, you go for a bike ride, you go for a walk. That is a beautiful thing to do that has wonderful spiritual parallels, some of you choose not to eat what your body is craving in a moment to say no to that in order to take the salad, right, instead of the popsicle, because we're all into popsicles as adults. Um, <laughs> delayed gratification. Some of you lift weights. When we lift weights, we are literally breaking our muscles, right? There are these min many tears in our muscles that then rebuild stronger. That is a beautiful picture of growing through adversity. I push myself in a workout beyond what I'm comfortable with. And those lessons cross over to our spiritual lives. Maybe I can start to get up earlier and get time in the word, even when my body says, no, stay in bed. And if you ever want to, sorry, this just came to me. It's not in my notes. Uh, I had a friend who called his bed the word uh, in college. And so I'm like, hey, where were you this morning? So I was spending time in the word. Um, so anyways, that just came to mind. It's, it works really well. Um, but maybe these lessons... Maybe I can say no to my body in order to spend time with Jesus. Maybe I can delay that gratification in an argument and not say that thing that I'm, that delicious, you know, ridicule I'm wanting to throw out right now. I can delay that and just keep my mouth shut, right? Maybe I can stick with a task longer or stick with a relationship longer because I've learned perseverance. Maybe I can learn to uh, consume things not just in my mouth, but through my eyes that are healthier for me. Right? All these beautiful parallels between physical training and godly training. Physical training can become a means of godly training. Uh, again, the Apostle Paul uh, speaks to his own experience of this. I love this. This is in 1 Corinthians. He says, everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. He's talking about the Olympics, first century, Roman Empire. Uh, they do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I don't fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I beat my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Okay, he says, I'm going after Jesus the way that 
Olympiads go after the gold medal. And here's what I do. I beat my body. Hey, that word, um, it means to harass and wear out. I, I harass and wear out my body. I make it my slave, he says, right? I have learned, Paul's saying, to get my body impulses under control so that I lead my body and my body doesn't lead me, right? I'm, not, I'm a man who is now driven by my convictions, my beliefs. That's what leads the way. And I've trained my body to follow my convictions, which are about following Jesus and preaching the gospel. I lead my body. My body doesn't lead me. Now, we got a, um, we got a dog last uh, Christmas, a little Maltipoo named Dakota. She's adorable and uh, I love her, and she's a disaster. She's wonderful. <laughs> but, you know, I got out in the neighborhood a lot and get to see people walking their dogs. And, and um, you know when a dog is leading a walk, right? Um, and, you're, and this person is, you know, dragging behind with this big dog leading a walk. And you know when an owner is leading a walk. And the dog is healing and is kind of watching what is the owner, what's the owner wanting to do? I'm going to follow that. And that's, that's a very different thing, right? And I thought that's kind of what Paul's saying here. Like, I lead my body, my body doesn't lead me. And because of that, he was very available to Jesus. What, what, is, what does my love for Jesus require in this moment? Do I need to go without food? Great. I have taught my body to go without food for the sake of Jesus. Do I need to have a sleepless night? Great. I can do that. Do I need to, do I need to spend all day with these people, preaching the gospel, even though I'm exhausted. I can do that. My body has become an instrument of my convictions for Jesus so that my, I lead my body, my body doesn't lead. I, I, it, it, I've been trained, my body's been trained so that I can pursue godliness to Jesus. And I've become more and more like Jesus. And Jesus was the same way. Man, we could talk about how he led his body, not vice versa, all the way to the cross where he had to give up his body on a cross. And physical training can be a way that we are, are becoming more and more like Jesus. I was thinking, um, you know, we've been fasting, right, as a community. Some of us in this room, we called, called us all into a Thursday fast through till dinner. And so I've been doing this for two and a half months now. I had almost no experience of fasting before this. And I've had a lot of, I think there's been some great experiences over the last two and a half months of this. But one simple thing that's changed for me uh, that will sound not big is I've learned I can fast. <laughs> and I will tell you, before this exercise, I didn't think I could fast. I've got a fairly fast metabolism, you might imagine, and some blood sugar issues, you know. And I literally, all my life, I thought, I cannot miss a meal. Like, if I miss a meal, Armageddon's coming. <laughs> like, this, this can't miss a meal, and I get hangry, and I, get, I just crash. It's not a good thing. And one of the simple lessons has been, oh, turns out I can miss, in fact, I can miss two meals a day, and my body is fine with that. Now, that's not a big deal, but it certainly makes me more flexible to the kingdom if a moment is needed or if I need to skip a meal. Not a big thing, but that is making me more like Jesus in a, in a, in a small way. We, Jesus and I are very similar now. <laughs> I do two meals, he does, he does 40 days. You know, it's, it's very similar. Right? But that's a, a little thing where a training, a physical training is helping me be more available to God's kingdom. Simple. All that to say, we do this to become more like Jesus. 
And physical health can really be an avenue of becoming more like Jesus. And so I'd encourage you to think about as you're pursuing your health, make the connections between the physical and the spiritual because there's so many wonderful connections to be made. That being said, I also want to say uh, that far from making us more like Jesus, physical training can also actually make us less and less like Jesus. That we need to acknowledge that is also a possibility in this realm. And we need to acknowledge there are some significant spiritual fit pitfalls to health and fitness, particularly in Orange County where we live. Because we live in this kind of microcosm of, of a culture of health obsession, I would say. Whether it's fitness or diet or all the things. And I get some, some of you, this is your thing. This is your hobby. I get that. But this is the culture we live in. And so, so much of what drives physical health around here is not godliness. And I think that needs to be set <laughs> in this context, right? You think about what are the motivations for so much of us. A lot of it is vanity. A lot of it is insecurity. Shame avoidance. A lot of comparison. A lot of self-glorification, okay? That's what drives us around us so much. And those motivations are so subtle and insidious. And that's why I want us to think really carefully about what is your why? What are the whys? And we need to look for those things. Where am I being driven by insecurity, shame, comparison, vanity? And that gets all marbled in with all the good, all the good motivations too. Um, when I went to college, I'll give you a little, little taste of this. When I went to college, I was 220 and I was ripped. And then, let's <laughs> right, get um, I went to college, I grew up playing sports. Oh, guys weren't working out as much in the, in the you know, late 80s, early 90s, right? We weren't, not everyone was, was pushing weight, and I wasn't, clearly. And I was a buck 56 too, something like that. And I went to college, and our college had a gym, right? And so my freshman year, for the first time, I started going to the gym. I just went two days a week with, with a couple buddies. And, um, and I put on about, probably about seven pounds of muscle, which on that frame was significant. Okay? And I remember coming home for like um, probably Thanksgiving. And I remember like hugging my parents or seeing people. And, and they say, ooh, like you've put on some, you look good. You put on some muscle. You put on some weight. And I remember how powerful that was growing up as a skinny kid. Okay? Like that was a, that felt like a, a drug. That was this quick hit. And that is a very powerful experience to have a change in your body and then to have people comment on that change. And men, you experience that. Women, maybe you've experienced that. And, or, or to hear it in the other way. <laughs> that's, a very, those are, that's a powerful drug, if I can call it that. And when, we, when that happens, and when we live in this culture of, of like health obsession, where we are getting a thousand messages a day from advertising, from, from TV, right, that basically says, to be successful, to be happy, to be legit, your body has to look a certain way. Okay, we get that message all day long. And if it doesn't, if you fall short of that, there's insecurity and shame, right? And, and when our friends start buying into that whole message and start making the decisions they're making, that is a tough dynamic. And the older I get, I will just say, I believe, I don't care how old you are, there is a junior hire inside of every single one of us. 
I've seen you older folks. There is a junior hire inside of every single one of us that just wants to fit in, that wants to be noticed, but not too noticed, right? That is constantly comparing itself to the people around them and um, that just wants to be cool, right? That just wants to fit in. And so when you get a group of junior hires all together doing that, that is a profound set of pressures and temptations and struggles and dynamics that are just real that I think we need to acknowledge. And so as I was praying about this, this talk, if I could... I, if you only hear one thing, I, I was thinking, if I could breathe one thing into this community and this whole issue of physical health, it would actually be, I just want to breathe freedom <laughs> into this community, in this area. Like, just take it down a notch. Like, the, the, I mean, whether you're doing it or you feel the pressures and the insecurities, if I could just, like, the spirit could just blow through here and just go, oh, it's okay. You do not have to keep up. Like, you do not have to jump into that. And if you want it, great. Like, there's, there's some good stuff in there. But if I could just diffuse the pressure, the feelings of, like, comparison, that would be the thing, if I could wave my magic wand, that we would feel freer. For you men, like, you do not have to be ripped. I mean, you don't have to look like this to still... <laughs> right? People weren't working out 40 years ago. No one went to the gym 40 years ago. And, and if you're ripped, that's great. I love it. Um, but we do, you do not have to, to, you're okay. And I think even more for you women, like I just want to breathe like freedom for you women. And like God has given you a body with genetics that are shaped a certain way. And I would just say, you need so much freedom for that body to be precisely what God designed to be. Pursue your health, but don't sell your body <laughs> to, to the image of this culture. Don't try to feel like, I have to reshape this. And I'd especially, you know, as we've got some folks who are, gro- are getting older, we're all getting old in this room, um, I want to give you freedom to age gracefully. You know, and like, we all are dying, and our bodies are getting older. That is part of the curse. <laughs> and that's part of reality, and, and we will all lose this battle. But we live in this place of eternal youth where youth is so worshipped and celebrated and so women are making all sorts of decisions. And some of you are making these decisions. And like, you can make your decisions. But I want to give freedom to you women and say, you don't have to make any of those decisions. Like, you can. But you, you don't have to. You do not have to put toxins in your skin. You don't have to puff up your lips. You don't have to make your breasts look the way they, ha- they did before you had kids. You don't have to tuck or add or all the things. You can do that. Many of you make those choices. I want to breathe a message that says, you do not have to do that. And the pressures that you feel to do that, I promise you, is not the voice of God. That is not the voice of your Father. So we just need to acknowledge that. We can make our decisions, but you do not have to. I couldn't help but thinking of of, uh, what Peter says. Your beauty should not come from outward adornment. Rather, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and humble spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. That is your heavenly Father's voice. What my sight sees is this inner beauty of growing in your godliness to me. And so I just want to breathe freedom in that. All that to say, physical training is a great way to pursue godliness, 
but it can also <laughs> take us away from godliness. And so we want to we think about what is the why? What is driving me in this? How are we doing? Landmines avoided, blown up? I don't know yet, but... All right, one more, and I'll be very brief. This is probably the most important, but I'm actually going to just throw it out there for more for you to think about. What is a distinctively Christian perspective on physical health? We pursue it as a way to worship Jesus. We pursue it as a way to become more like Jesus. And then finally, and probably most importantly, we pursue it to love like Jesus. First Timothy, Paul, be, uh, Paul begins First Timothy in chapter 1 by saying this, the goal of our instruction is love, right? Everything I'm telling you, the ultimate goal of this is love. And Jesus is so clear. You want to be my disciples. You want to follow me. The goal of everything is love. The greatest commandment is love. The end for all things that you've been created for is love. To love God with all you've got and to love your neighbor as yourself. Um, That is the goal. And so really, without teasing this out too much, I just want to leave you with this question is my pursuit of physical health driven by love? Is love the driving force? Or actually, here's another way of thinking about it. Is my pursuit of physical health turning me into a more loving person? Maybe that's a better question. And this is one you could ask if you're married. Ask your spouse. Um, ask your kids. Ask a, a, a friend. Ask a roommate. Would you say my pursuit of physical health is turning me into a more loving person or not? That's the question that we have to ask of everything. <laughs> this, is, this is the goal of everything, is becoming people who love. So is it or not? And I believe it very much can, very much can be something that turns us into more loving people. And of course, it can be something that doesn't turn us into more loving people. Uh, again, Paul, 1 Corinthians, he's talking about spiritual gifts, these epic spiritual things that people can do. But he says, but love's loves all that matters, right? If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but don't have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, I don't have love, I'm nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor, imagine that, how, how, how generous that would be, and give over my body to hardship that I may, uh, oh, that doesn't sound right, oh, that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. I could do epic spiritual things, and if love doesn't drive me, it is of no value. And I was thinking of rewriting that in terms of physical training, right? If I could whip out three sets of 20 pull-ups, but have not love, right? It is nothing. If I can use my abs as a washboard for your clothes, (laughs) but I have not love, I am nothing, right? If I have fasted from high fructose corn syrup for a year, and I have not love. It is of no value, right? Love is the thing. And so, and like I said, I believe there are ways to pursue our physical health in ways that make us more loving, and there's ways to do that that make us less loving. So I want to leave you with that question. What if love was the litmus test for my pursuit of physical health? I said, what's going to make me a more loving person? How could that prioritize my, my fitness goals, my health goals? And I think it, it could, like I was thinking for myself, I care about my physical health. What if love was, was the, the motivating factor? That would drive some decisions. Like, 
I would love to be 20 pounds heavier. I'm, you probably don't believe that, but I would love to be 20 pounds heavier. But 20 pounds heavier me probably isn't a more loving me. Probably not. Um, but I was thinking this week, you know what would make me more loving me is if I focused on my sleep. Because uh, when I don't get, a, and I struggle with sleep. When I don't get a lot of sleep, I'm not a loving person. I'm cranky, I'm irritable, I'm less present to my kids mainly because I'm just stuck in my own kind of stuff. So I should probably actually, when it comes to my physical health, I should make sleep one of my priorities. I should go to bed earlier. Well, to do that, I'm going to have to rethink some of my nighttime activities, what I'm eating before bed, uh, certainly what I'm watching before, doing before bed. But that would be, love would dictate for me, Dave should prioritize sleep, not getting 20 pounds heavier, which, by the way, would never happen anyways. Couldn't do it if I tried. Um, but what about you? It might change where you work out. Like for some of you, a gym is a great place to work out. You, you have friends there. Um, there's the, com the camaraderie. There's the sense of kind of, you know, we're working together. And it, it's way better than trying to do some at home. That's a great place for me. For some of you, like, you know what? I go to a gym, a room that's, got, that's full of mirrors with attractive people around. That is not going to turn me into a more loving person. Like that, I need to avoid that space. I'm better off outside. I'm better off in my garage, whatever, right? So it, love might dictate for you um, the how, the where. I was even thinking the when and the how much. Is my pursuit of, of my physical health, is that taking up space that should be taken up pursuing God? Like, or my family? Like, is this taking prime time for things that should be given to other things? How much is enough? When has this gone too much? When is it not enough? Love is a great litmus test for how we engage our physical health. All right, so I'm done. Um, a way to worship Jesus, a way to become like Jesus, a way to love like Jesus. So I, want you to, I really want to encourage you to consider your why this week. And um, we are called to be fit. We, I was, we were joking about this uh, prayer beforehand. We are called to be fit. The question is fit for what? <laughs> right? Fit for what? Fit for the kingdom. Fit for these bodies to be instruments of righteousness. And so I want to be fit for God and his kingdom. That is, that is the Christian why. Lord, would you help us as we consider our bodies and our health? We want to invite you into that conversation. And um, I know that's such a unique journey for every single one of us. I just pray your spirit would move in to our hearts and minds this week as we think about, even as we engage in our health decisions throughout the, throughout the week. May we be mindful of you. And Lord, as we've been talking about this Laodicean issue, this passage where you say, behold, I stand at the door and knock. Let me in. Would we just let you in to whatever fears or ambitions or frustrations or shame or pride or whatever, whatever it is that we experience in this whole conversation, we want to let you in. We want to open that door and say, Jesus, you are welcome here to observe and to reconfigure if that's needed, or just to encourage and to inspire. 
So Lord, wherever, wherever we need you to speak and to move, would you do that for your glory and for our benefit as well? We pray in Jesus' name, amen.